If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to John uh, chapter 7 as we continue uh, to journey through John in a series that we've called Come and See. Uh, that's really kind of the heart of the invitation of the Gospel of John is to come and see who Jesus is, to come experience uh, the things that Jesus is doing, the things that he has done, the things that he will do. Uh, and the purpose of John writing is so that we would believe. And that through believing, that by believing, we would have eternal life. Uh, now, I had the great joy of officiating a wedding yesterday from uh, some student, former students back at Pleasant Grove. And weddings are a great part of being a pastor. Uh, I, I absolutely love it. Uh, the people get dressed up. And uh, I joked yesterday, we get all dressed up and we spend about an hour and a half taking pictures. The service really only lasted 15 minutes. And so, I mean, I had to wear a suit for really 15 minutes worth of activity. But I love the weddings. Uh, and we have this trend happening now because a buddy of mine just uh, did this. Uh, we have the announcements, right? The engagement announcements, the, uh, the wedding announcements. A buddy of mine, a few weeks ago, he texted me, he said, hey, I'm engaged. Or a few months ago, he says, hey, I'm engaged. And I'm like, well, that's awesome. Uh, and so we have the announcements. We have graduation announcements, uh, when students are graduating, they send out announcements that, hey, I made it, right? You know, most of the time it takes about 13 years, kindergarten, 12 grades, you know, 13 years, took me 14, okay? So I, I was excited to send out the announcement. And now some of you are thinking, it was kindergarten, I had to repeat. <laughs> I struggled with the line coloring, okay? So we had to go through that. But we announce it when we're having babies, we announce it. When we get new jobs, we announce it. Uh, and those are just exciting things. Following the announcement, on most cases, is what? An invitation. We're getting married. A few weeks later, you're invited to the wedding. I'm graduating. A few weeks later, you're invited to a party to give me gifts and money so I can start post-high school life. We're having a baby. You're invited to the gender reveal party, right? Which I think those are awesome. Those are like the coolest things ever. Uh, we wouldn't do them because I, I don't like surprises, but they're actually really, really good things. Uh, or, and then after that, you're invited to the baby shower because diapers and formula is really expensive and we need your help. And so there's, there's announcements of what's going on followed by invitations. That's, that's kind of a lot of how this works. There's weddings, invitations, wedding showers, announcements and all that stuff. There's usually an RSVP included with that where you're supposed to respond. Now, I will say this. I check the mail most days. If you send me an invitation and I check the mail, Jennifer's probably never going to see it. Okay? So I do not RSVP that well. So just in the future, just know a phone call would be really helpful. All right? It's not her fault. She never sees them. Okay? Because I, I disregard mail kind of flippantly. So just know that, know that. But that's what we're talking about today is this great invitation that Jesus extends. Jesus has made the announcement of who he is and he'll continue to do that. And we've seen this throughout the gospel, but he has announced who he is, whether it was the calling of his first disciples, we see that he is the son of God. Whether it's turning water into wine, we see that he is the son of God. Whether it's talking to Nicodemus or the woman at the well, he is announcing that he is the son of God. Whether it's John the Baptist saying, this is the lamb of God. The announcement is being made. 
through the healing of a royal official's son, through the healing of a sick man laying beside the pool of Bethsaida, through the declaring uh, to the religious leaders that he and the father are one, to feeding 5,000 plus people on a hill who are hungry, Jesus has proclaimed himself and announced to the world who he is. He is the savior of the world. He is the Messiah. He is the son of God. He is the bread of life as he's already declared. He is the one who comes to take away the sins of the world. He is the word that has come to dwell among his people. Now, I know it's been a few weeks since we've looked at John, but we are uh, in John chapter 7. That is, uh, the context is this week-long celebration called the Festival of Booths, Tabernacles, uh, Tents. Uh, It is a joyous time. It is a time when the city of Jerusalem is electrified. It is probably the most celebrated festival in Jerusalem. Okay, there are three main pilgrimage festivals, uh, Pentecost, uh, Passover, and the Festival of Booths. Uh, now, you can celebrate these outside of Jerusalem, but this is the one where, people, where the most people make that pilgrimage to the city of Jerusalem. So thousands upon thousands of people living in tents for a week. Some of you camp, and I can't do that. I can't live in close quarters with my family for a week. It's, it's tough. But they did it for a week. I'll, I'll be in trouble for that one later. I'm second-guessing that statement. That's okay. The, 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 the festival of ta- they're celebrating in their tents. I may be in a tent this afternoon. So, and so it's just this electrifying celebration. The people of God are remembering this Exodus wondering, this time when God provided for them in the wilderness where they had to sleep in these tents for 40 years, and yet God provided and gave them provision. They're looking around at the present day, celebrating that God has given them a harvest of fruit. They're celebrating the olive, uh, the olive harvest that has happened, the rain that God sent him. And then they're looking to the future. They're, they're, they're looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. So this is just a huge celebration. And there's a part of the celebration, a ceremony that takes place each and every day that you need to understand before we read the text, because this is the context of the passage today. During the festival of the booths, uh, again, they're remembering the wilderness wandering. And if you think back, God provided manna, right? To feed them. He also provided water. In Numbers chapter 20, verse two, we read that there was no water for the community. Now they're in the desert. Not a lot of water in the desert. Millions of people wandering in the desert. They don't have any water. So what do they do? They complain against Moses and Aaron. That's a good thing. I mean, yeah, you don't have any water. That's not a good thing. But they complain against Moses. Moses sees the need. He goes to God in prayer and intercedes. Numbers 20, verses 7 through 11. The Lord spoke to Moses. Take the staff and assemble the community. You and your brother Aaron are to speak to the rock while they watch and it will yield its water. You will, bring out water uh, you will bring out water for them from the rock and provide drink for the community and their livestock. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he had been commanded to do. 
Moses and Aaron summoned the assembly of people and they stood in front of the rock. Then Moses said to them, listen, you rebels, must we bring water out of this rock for you? Now, remember, the people had already seen the parting of the Red Sea, the manna, the quail. They've already seen a lot of stuff. So Moses was a little irritated. And so Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with his staff. That's important for you to stick in your mind as we go through this. Moses struck the rock with his staff twice so that abundant water gushed out and the community and the livestock drank. A part of the festival of booths is this daily remembrance of this event where God poured out water to sustain, satisfy, and save the people of Israel. The priest would take these gold jugs and they would march down to the river, lake, stream. They would fill up the jugs. They would march back to the temple, go to the rock altar, the stone altar. They would pour the water over the altar and the water would gush and flow down and out of the rock altar. That's how they remembered that Exodus event. Now, this wasn't just the priests. Crowds of people did this every day. This was a celebration ceremony. They would gather, they would march, they would sing the Psalms, they would sing from uh, a passage in Isaiah, they would shout, uh, they, they would probably uh, lethargic, uh, yeah, do dancing, Christian dancing. I mean, this was a celebration because they're remembering God provided for them water. On the last day, they did this ceremony seven times. Okay, so I believe that Jesus on the seventh day of this one, which is the official last day, the eighth day is more of just a big all-day worship service. This is the seventh day. At the end of the seventh watering ceremony, that's where we pick up this passage. So I just want us to read... Uh, verses 37 to 40 uh, right now. On the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. He said this about the Holy Spirit. Those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the Spirit, for the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. There's really just one insight that I want us to see in this passage of text today, and it's this. Jesus invites the people into a life-giving, life-sustaining, life-altering relationship with him. That's the heart of what Jesus is saying here, that this is an invitation to become, to have a life-giving, life-sustaining, life-satisfying, life-altering relationship with him. And it's the, the important thing about the invitation that we see first is the urgency of the invitation. Jesus has an urgency to what he is saying. We have a, a, a chocolate lab named Duke, not after the sports team. We're Duke fans, but he's actually like the Duke of Oakboro, I think is his official name. A couple years, yeah, it's whatever. <clears throat> Don't judge. 
because here's why. Uh, this dog in the summertime is somewhat lethargic. Uh, he doesn't do a lot. Uh, not a lot of urgency or not a lot of giddy up in his step when it's hot outside. A couple years ago, uh, we had gotten home, Larson and went outside to play with him. And I noticed he was a little bit more energetic than normal for a summertime. But I also noticed his energy seemed to be more directed at Larson. Uh, and I noticed it was more directed at Larson as in almost nipping at her and pushing her. I mean, he was kind of getting a little physical, pushing her out of the area, a certain area of our yard. And so she came in and she told me about it. And so I went outside and again, he's kind of not wanting me to walk over there. As I get closer, because, you know, I just push him out of the way. And so as, as I get closer to it, I noticed why there was urgency in this chocolate lab's in motivation. There were two black snakes laying in my yard. And he didn't want her to go near him. And so with the urgency, he was pushing her and nipping at her and, and keeping her away from that area, which is really cool, right, for a dog. I didn't think he was that smart, but that's, that's really good. Uh, you know, he'd never shown anything that had indicated to me he was a smart dog. So that was really fun and really good. And so that's what you want. Um, I also, the, you know, the devastation down in Florida is just, it's massive. And we should pray for them and just keep praying for them. But did you see the sharks? Did you see the videos of the sharks that were swimming down the streets uh, of Florida? And so that got me thinking, if I was in the ocean, right, and a shark was swimming near me, I would want the lifeguard to show a little bit of urgency in telling me there's a shark. What we don't want from lifeguards is this. <sighs> Got to grab the little orange thing, right? Excuse me, sir. I don't know if you know this or not, but close to your current proximity is an animal that could cause great, great damage to you. I think it would be wise if you and I would carefully, slowly, no panic, Walk back to the sand, if you're okay with that. Is that what we want from a lifeguard when a shark's next to us? No, we want some urgency. There is an urgency to certain situations, okay? And, so, and, and yes, we don't want panic, but there is just an urgency. Jesus understands the urgency of this moment, okay? He, this is important for you to understand. It's the last day of the festival, you need to understand what John is communicating through that. I mean, John doesn't just write words down. This isn't just context. This is meaning behind why he stood and shouted. This is the, there's two things. This is the last festival that Jesus will participate in before his Passover, the last Passover. Six months from this event, Jesus will be hanging on a cross. So this is the last time he will be at this festival. And for a lot of the people who are in Jerusalem, it's the last time they will ever get to hear Jesus teach. Because they're getting ready to go home. They're getting ready to go back to their life. Some of them are, will not be there at Passover. Some of them will not be there at the crucifixion or resurrection. For a lot of these people, this is the last time they are ever going to get a chance to hear this invitation. That is the urgency of the moment. Jesus, we've seen throughout the gospel, he understands timing. My hour has not yet come, or an hour is coming. Even at the beginning of the festival, he told his brothers, I'm not going at the beginning, I'm going to go later. He understands the timing, and he understands as he's looking at this multitude of people remembering the life-saving, life-sustaining, life-satisfying water from a rock in the wilderness, he understands that these people need eternal satisfaction, 
They need eternal saving. They need an eternal savior. And this is, might be the last time some of these people ever hear this invitation. It is an urgency that causes him to stand up and shout with boldness. Rabbis don't stand up and shout. Rabbis sit and teach. So that is the emphaticness of this moment where he, in front of all these people, all these religious leaders who are trying to kill him, Jesus says, I don't care. The people have to hear the message. So he stands up and he shouts this invitation. Christians, I want to ask you a question. Do you understand the urgency of the invitation to come to Jesus? Do we as followers of Jesus understand the urgency to take this message to other people? For those who've never made this decision, do you understand the urgency in Jesus' voice? It's the last time some of these people will ever hear this. Now listen, some of them are going to outright reject it. And it may be the last time. And I know there are people in my life, there's people I talk to who are seeking, they're searching, they've not made the decision, but they're asking questions and they're getting there and we're praying for them. We should never stop praying for those who have not made the decision. We should never stop loving them. We should never stop telling them about Jesus because it's an urgent invitation. But the people who are receiving this invitation have to understand this could be the last time you hear it. Because we're not guaranteed another second. So Jesus understands the urgency. And so he stands up and he shouts, come to me. But I want you to also understand this is an invitation for everyone. It's an invitation for anyone, there's a condition, anyone who thirsts, but I'll say this, we all thirst. I'm thirsty right now, right? We all thirst. We've all experienced physical thirst, like the woman at the well, right? Similar message, similar invitation. The woman at the well, she was thirsty physically, she was thirsty spiritually, and she kept filling up her life with men and one bad relationship after another bad relationship, and finally, she met Jesus and, have an, and she committed her life to an eternal relationship. She drank from the living water that Jesus had to offer. And so the people here, while they're thinking about the physical thirst of wandering in the wilderness, and, and they're thinking and they're remembering God providing, Jesus says, everybody's thirsty physically, and everybody's thirsty spiritually. And so anyone who thirsts can come to me. It's an invitation for anyone and everyone. It is not an invitation for a selected chosen few. It is an invitation that is extended to every single person who has ever lived, is living, and will live. It is an invitation for people who are desperate, for people who are unsatisfied. It's an invitation to people who are unfulfilled, who are needy. It is an invitation for everyone. Jesus is not excluding people from coming to him. The invitation itself is quite simple. Come and drink. Jesus invites everyone who is thirsty to come to him and drink. It's not come sign a doctrinal statement. It's not come recite a creed. It's not to come and, 
give a, a, a check. It's not to go to a church building or even to a church service. You don't, you don't need to go to the bar. You don't need to go to the computer. You don't need to go to one boyfriend or another boyfriend or a girlfriend. You don't need to immerse yourself in your work or to earn money or to buy things. You don't need to go to drugs. You just need to go to Jesus. He says, come to me, anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink. Now, I know we like to take the Bible literally, and we should. And we're getting ready to celebrate the Lord's Supper, where we will symbolically drink the grape juice, which is a representation of the blood that was shed for us. But Jesus is not literally saying, drink me. Alice in Wonderland, right? Eat me, drink me. That's not a literal commandment. What he's, he's just using this figurative, illustrative speech. And what he means when he says, come to me and drink, what he's saying is, come to me and believe. Come to me and believe. Believe in who I am. Believe in what I am going to do. Believe in me. That's the whole point of the gospel. Believe. You know, I have this conversation with people and uh, some people who are really searching and trying to understand salvation, they really try to make it more complicated than it is. It's just belief. Now, not just intellectual belief. The demons believe. It's a heart belief. It's a belief that surrenders your life to the Lord. Like the invitation Jesus gives, come follow me. It's an invitation to follow him as master, to follow him as savior, to follow him as Lord in your heart. Come follow me and you will be satisfied. Now, again, this is the most awesome thing I think about the whole story. Here they are remembering Moses striking the rock with his staff. And Jesus is saying, I am the rock that will be struck on the cross for you. God gave you water in the wilderness to sustain you, save you, satisfy you. He's now sent a savior who will be struck on a cross to save you, satisfy you, and sustain you. That's the meaning of this invitation. Come to me and drink, he says. Have you made that decision to come and drink? As we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we remember the body that was struck, the body that was broken. We remember the blood that was shed who covers a multitude of sins. Listen, there's no satisfaction outside of Jesus. There's no satisfaction outside of Jesus. The passage ends in verses 38 and 39 with the blessings of accepting the invitation. It says, you will receive living water. The Bible also says, blessed are those who are hungry and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And then John kind of explains that he's talking about the Holy Spirit. When you decide to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit immediately comes and dwells in your heart, lives in you. And you are satisfied because the Spirit works in you. But I want you to notice it's a living water that's going to pour out from you. Christians, you need to hear me. When we have the Spirit living inside of us, we are empowered to tell other people about Jesus. We are empowered to be a blessing to other people. We are empowered to go out into our communities and serve. The living water flows 
from us. We don't just keep it in. It flows from us. So if you're a Christian, if you've made the decision to follow Jesus, are you being a blessing to someone else? Are you yielding your life to the work of the Spirit in your heart to go and meet needs? And I would say as a church, let's start here. Let's start in Jerusalem. Look around. Where are the needs here? Where are the lost here? And then we can go into Jerusalem, Judea, into the ends, Samaria, into the ends of the earth. Because we have the living water in us flowing from us. So this morning as we uh, do this last invitation, this last song before we uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper, before we remember the rock that was broken for us, the bread that was broken, the blood that was shed to give us life, to save us, sustain us, and satisfy us, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. First and foremost, do you need to accept him as Lord and Savior? Do you need to surrender your life? Do you need to come to Jesus and believe to come and drink? It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. But as a Christian, do you need to recommit to letting the living water flow from you? Do you need to recommit your life to being a blessing to others, to meeting needs, to being the hands and feet of Jesus? I'll be standing down front. I'll pray with you. The altar will be here. You can come and pray. As we sing, you can pray right in your seat. And you can just speak, let the Lord speak to you, and you can speak to the Lord as we close in worship. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this great invitation. This invitation to come to you and believe, to come and drink. Because we know that you are the only one who will save us. Salvation comes by God's grace through faith alone and Christ alone. Father, help us to believe. Draw us close to you. Help us to accept and respond positively to this invitation. Father, as those who are seeking answers to hard questions, Father, help them to find those answers. And then, Father, help us to be people who allow the living water to flow from us. Help us to tell others about Jesus and to meet needs. We ask this in Jesus' name.